And it's time to talk baseball with the great Gary Mack on the Baseball Talk Radio Show with Rich and Gary. Coming up, we're talking about the baseball vote into the Hall of Fame and more importantly, how the MLB Players Association and the MLB fronted by Rob Manford made out with their talks. Here's the show, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Baseball Talk Radio Show. I'm Gary Mack, and I'm joined by my co-host, the wonderful, the one, the terrific, Rich Baxter. Rich, how are you? Thank you, Gary. I hope I can live up to those words. Uh, Doing well, and (laughs) we're doing a special midweek edition of the show as we um, normally tape it on a weekend, but uh, we postponed it for a couple days hoping we would have some good news to talk about yes we, we knew they were going to meet uh on the uh the, the league and the and the players union on the contract on monday so we thought we'd wait a few days and see if any outcome come out of it and uh rich really um nothing solid but it does seem to be some progress being made yeah, we had the meeting on Monday, and then they went right back and went on Tuesday. And I really thought that we were going to talk about a settlement being reached uh, with the two quick meetings. Um, as you said, though, they made some progress, what's been reported as progress, but we still don't have a settlement. But I hear that there's more meetings planned for maybe end of the week. Possibly. Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. They they met uh, yesterday again. I don't know whether they met today. Uh, it's possible that they uh, are, have scheduled something for the end of the week. Um, but the players' union has withdrawn some of the demands, and um, that could be the cornerstone to you know shoehorning in. Also, we, we're getting almost into February and they think they're getting cold feet. Yeah. Um, we've heard that maybe the owners are going to dig in and we've seen some quotes in the press that says that they're not a, officially opposed to scrapping some early games in the season. So maybe that's a little more posing, but uh, I think a lot of this uh, could be s- settled quickly and uh, we could be right back on schedule if possible. So we'll have to see. Uh, nothing to report on the, a settlement yet, but we're remaining optimistic for sure. You sure am. And, and MLB.com is reporting that the, uh, the league has made, uh, well, both sides have made significant progress that, um, let's see, the uh, players' union rejected a league proposal that included significant increases in pay for players with two plus years of service time, a plan that included the best players earning even more in bonuses based on performance. The league then returned with a proposal based on a framework initially presented by the players' union, uh, this according to a source. So, um, you know that's progress there. Uh, the uh, union dropped 
the uh, arbitration, uh, not the arbitration, but the free agency time thing so far. And uh, now the uh, the league is counted with uh, on another issue with something that the union had structured before. So maybe we're starting to see the give and take that you need to settle this. And uh, you almost got to wonder, Rich, if, if some of the agents got involved in this and uh, are wielding some power. You know, I was thinking about this last night. You know, a guy like Scott Boris has got a couple of big names still out there. And I'm sure they're going to him and expressing some concern uh, about, you know, it's, hey, look, we're in February. I don't know where my family's going to be. I got to get settled here before the end of the year. I've got to get a contract signed. And, you know, if I'm going to a new city, I got to find a place to live and everything. And, you wonder if a guy like Boris, who's got the year. Now, interestingly enough, uh, I believe Max Scherzer, who just signed with the Mets before the lockdown, is a Boris client and is also on the executive council of the uh, players union that's in the negotiations. And you almost have to wonder if Boris, uh, you know, dropped a few words in his ears that people are getting antsy. Let's see if we can do something. You never know in in this day and age. uh, Just something to think about. Yeah, you never know where settlement may come through at and, you know, breakthroughs. I'd love to find the behind the scenes type of activity from both. You know, Rob Manford and Tony Clark, who do they contact? How do they get in touch with different groups of players? Does it go out for a vote to the players? I'd uh, love to know, you know, behind the scenes on that. So we, we never hear of that. We just hear reports that, you know, they're close, they're not close, they're, uh, you know, getting, getting close. But, um, you know, I, I wonder what the real nuts and bolts of coming to a decision how how great a, a job that is because you could yeah. probably think that it's uh, pretty complicated even though in this day of um, instant communication well you know i i wish they'd do away with all of this super two things and and the pre-arbitration that they're arguing about you know why don't why don't they just do i don't know this is going to sound stupid maybe, but why don't they have a set structure? You know, like the minimum salary is a million dollars. So your first year guy, you get called up, you get that naturally, you get the minimum of a major league player. And then, you know, like the second year increase it by 25% and the third year increase it 25% more or uh, the fourth year and so on until you hit free agency. And then, have different levels. Like if you win rookie of the year, you get another 50% put on your salary. Uh, you know what I mean? And just, just a Cy Young, you get the, another 50% of the salary or something. And then at least, you know, everybody would know, have an idea at least what they're making is a base salary. And then they could go from there and, it would take away a lot of this uh, 
arguing and negotiating and and uh of course then you the agents probably wouldn't like it because you you know what you're getting already until you hit free agency and i i don't know i i think a set salary and again i think as far as the draft goes i think they should reverse it i think i said this the last show about that uh let the best team have the first pick you know make it make it competitive to get that first pick instead of competing by tanking you know compete the other way and uh but you know i don't i don't like the i really don't like the way the nba does it and all the other sports with the draft lottery you know you get you take the 10 worst teams or whatever it is and uh, the 10th team gets so many balls and the other and then they pick up i don't like that it's too too confusing and it's too ridiculous and um I, either, I don't know this i you know just some thoughts <laughs> hey that that's where it all starts and um did a little research in the last couple of days uh mlb players association believe it or not was formed in 1966 so it's still a fairly you know new type of association even though it's been what about 50 years in the making so far, but um, yeah, you look at the different figures they throw back and forth. Um, one of them was the, the framework of uh, how much teams should be able to spend on a, on a yearly salary basis. And I, I don't think that they're in the driver's seat when it comes to things like that. They're, they should be concerned more about the rules of the game, how it's changing. We just learned this past week that the uh, AAA will be using robo umps this year and things like that. You know, like they're not going to change the world in one, one collective bargaining agreement here. And I think as we were mentioning in the last couple of shows that that's what they're out to do. They're trying to change too much of things that they're not going to be able to do. So, yeah. We're keeping our eye on it, and hopefully uh, we'll have something positive to uh, report as it's starting to click closer to February here. You know, we're going to be delayed in a big way if they can't get something uh, settled here. Yeah, they've got about two weeks before the um, uh, opening of pitches and catches the spring training, so they still have time if they're urgent. Um, they could probably, you could probably say three weeks, they could, you know, miss that first week and push everything back a week. Uh, as far as training goes, you know, they could just forget the first week, but, um, we'll see, you know, these guys are in shape now. It's not like the old days where guys that actually work in the off season, these guys, uh, this is their job, and, and they stay in shape all year. But um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, Rich, we had another big story this week. Yes, we did. And and I had forgotten all about it, but by us taking off, it just uh, gave us something else to talk about. And that was the Hall of Fame vote. Yes, indeed. Big, uh, big surprise there. 
we have one guy elected to go in, and that's the uh, big poppy, David Ortiz, uh, coming in. And um, what's your thought of that? He gets about 78% of the vote, 779 uh, of the vote. Now, so allegedly, he did fail a PED uh, test, and he got in, and he's a designated hitter, essentially. Um, any thoughts? Well, I've never been a huge David Ortiz fan. I'll start by saying that. Um, but, yeah, I think he was probably involved in the steroids. There's no doubt about it. He was on the list. And I read an article afterwards um, saying that Rob Manfred actually stood up for uh, Ortiz, wanted him to be into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, the article almost said that he was helped into the Hall of Fame by Commissioner Manfred. Um, was he a great player? Yes. Uh, I've got on the screen on our YouTube video here. Uh, certainly has a lot of um, accolades. He's got the numbers to be in the Hall of Fame. And there's some other players that are similar to him. Frank Thomas, uh, Jim Tomei, Jeff Bagwell, McCovey. So, yeah, he's got the numbers to be in. And I, I think he stayed out of the limelight with the bad report, so to speak, if you want to say that mm -hmm. in quotations. Um, he stayed out of the uh, Clemens type of talk, the Bonds type of talk. He sort of was the man behind the curtain almost, probably involved in, in some way with steroids, but he didn't make a big, didn't say much about it. And he wasn't very pressed about it either. And there's an article in the Daily News, the New York Daily News, that it really goes deep into the David Ortiz story, which things that I didn't know, um, a 2018 book by a high ranking Boston police detective called baseball cop, which I'd love to find a copy of and read that now mm -hmm. that says, you know, he was assigned to, um, investigate certain things going on and big poppy had a, um, an association with a, another Dominican guy named Manga, quote unquote, who was in the country illegally at the time of uh, the early 2000s. And there was a lot going on. In fact, um, if you read the article at the dailynews.com, and maybe I'll put it in the show notes, uh, a listing in our podcast to link to it. Um, Poppy, Big Poppy wanted him at certain events and he even said that you know, if he wasn't allowed and his group, his posse, it says here, were not allowed on the field during an all-star game in 2006, that he would not participate in the home run derby. So uh, there was some pressure put on by, by Big Poppy, apparently, according to this article. And hmm. um, not long after that, there was a barbershop that this gentleman frequented, and it was shut down after it was learned that there was bets going on through there and things like that. So uh, a very interesting article here. What can you make of it now? It's a moot point already. Uh, Big Poppy's a member of the Hall of Fame. Good for him, I guess. 
there's a little domestic violence mixed into his repertoire of uh, things that unfortunately happened to him as well. But uh, he's part of the Hall of Fame. Never was a big fan of his for some reason, though. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, today's ball player. You know what can you say? And uh, I don't know. I. I I was going to look at it from a baseball point of view and that he, he was a DH, essentially. I don't believe DHs should be in the Hall of Fame, but that's my opinion. And uh, we got an opinion today from our good friend Jeff Cohen uh, about the whole thing. And uh, uh, But Jeff was uh, a little uh, peeved at something that uh, the writer Jeff Passan said, or he tweeted on uh, January 25th that Barry Bonds belongs in the Hall of Fame, and if he's not there by the end of today, the museum has failed in its stated mission to preserve history. Uh, And um, Jeff goes on to give, Jeff Cohen, that is, our friend from Baseball and Barbecue, he goes on to give his opinion about that the museum has not failed in its stated mission mission preserving history it is called the baseball hall of fame and museum the museum part of the building tells the story of baseball warts and all there are exhibits of barry bonds roger clemens at all and the entire should i say ongoing ped story uh and he goes on to say that uh, mr passon misses the point that his anger should be and i'm paraphrasing here towards his fellow bb BBWAAA members uh, for not voting in these guys. And he's got, he's got a good point there, uh, Mr. Cohen does, in that it's not the Hall of Fame that is electing these guys. It is the baseball writers that elect them. They just simply put up a plaque and run the museum. Um, so when people blame the Hall of Fame for this, it kind of bothers me because I've actually heard, you know, heard people say, well, I'm not going to go there. And I'm like, no, you should go there. It's a great place to go. Don't, you know, the fact that they've kept Bonds or Clemens out, don't hold that against the Hall of Fame. They had nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's true. And I be honest with you, I didn't read this controversy until you just brought it up. But yeah, it's doesn't sound right to me. Um, you're either in the Hall of Fame or you're not. But if you're not in the Hall of Fame, there's probably a good reason for it. And the writers, I think, got it right with that. I never was a big fan of, you know, allowing somebody to quote unquote cheat and get away with it and then be rewarded for it as somebody that's so great in the hall of fame. Now, other things, ESPN is running a bonds documentary, which I, I tuned into the other night and it was, it was a typical type of program to, to make you want to forget what really went on. Um, Rewrite history, so to speak of, What happened in the case? Yeah, he was a great baseball player and he did his job on the field, but then he started cheating. And that's how a lot of those home runs started. Look at Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, all of the other group. Did they save baseball or did they extend their careers and cheat? To me, it's a no brainer. 
and they knew it was against the law to, to do this and they did it anyway. And uh, ESPN and people like that want to rewrite history and act like it never happened. And, Oh, we feel so bad. It should be righted wrong. You know, he's been wrong, this, that, and the other. And I just watched about 10 or 15 minutes of it. And I had to turn it off because it was propaganda in my, my opinion. Ah, it's like listening to Biden. But anyway, I digress. Uh, (laughs) Everybody cheated. I, I, you know, I, I heard somebody say this the other day. Everybody since baseball began, there's been cheating going on. Every, you know, whether it was Elston Howard rubbing up a baseball for Hall of Fame or Whitey Ford on uh, putting cuts in a ball, uh, whether it was spitballs back in that, you know, after they banned it and people were still doing it, Gaylord Perry loading up the ball, and he admitted to it. Um, There's always been some form of cheating, and that's cheating. I don't care. You know, you can say gamemanship. Then, uh, see, I'd be the one to say that's gamemanship, but, you know, it's cheating, basically. Uh, They took uppers in in the 60s and and, uh, whatever they took in the 70s, and it's always been cheating involved, and you can't help it in anything is going to be cheating. I always used to say, uh, if you, the second baseman is shortstop with a man on first, got a little bit closer to second base, he was cheating. He's cheating a little bit, getting getting closer to, to, to get that double play ball, hopefully. Um, I, I You know, I don't know. I think it's time to basing on what they did and as far as bonds and clemens and the big thing this year is this was their final year on the ballot so they're done now unless they get in on a veterans committee uh in in the future and the same thing with kurt schilling um i go back to the question was bonds and clemens hall of famers before they did this alleged peds I say yes. I think they had the career numbers. Um, but then I believe Pete Rose should be in. The the it, It's hard for me to take them saying Pete Rose shouldn't be in because he gambled and he bet on baseball. And then the ESPN or MLB Network is running a DraftKings commercial or a Caesars book ad, sports book ad. Um I don't understand that. And uh, even Jeff Cohen points out in his uh, rant here uh, about the voting. Is it fair? And he brings up the example. Mike Piazza got in on his fourth time on the ballot because of back acne. Back acne. Never failed the test. It was just a rumor and suspicion, and some writers saw that he had back acne, and somebody said that that's a sign of uh, PED use. It took him four tries to get in. David Ortiz goes in on a first ballot, and he failed the test. Uh, so is the voting fan? No. Is it the Hall of Fame's fault? No. It's the Writers Association 
And, you know, I, I heard a couple of writers on yesterday on ESPN or MLB. They had some great points. They said you have to, you know, limit, you have to pick the guys. And um, the one guy's suggestion was that they went to a yes-no vote, that they don't have to fill out a certain number of guys, that everybody that's eligible is on, on the ballot, and they just go yes no, yes, no, yes, no. And then uh, I guess they added up from there. Who gets the yeses and who gets enough yeses wins, gets in. Um, I think that's a better, that might be a better idea rather than them having to compare things and having to knock this guy out or that guy out. They'd still have to compare numbers and stuff, but it gives them a little bit more leeway. Um, but, um, you know, I think there's going to have to come a time where they, they let these guys in for what they did on the field. It, it's just, uh, it, it brings up, they should be trying to kill this controversy with PEDs instead of reuniting it every year when they have a Hall of Fame vote. But, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, um, you know, uh the two main guys, Clemens and Bonds, will be off the ballot, so we won't hear much about that. Um, the other thing I don't understand about the voting is Billy Wagner got 51% of the vote to be in the Hall of Fame. Billy Wagner, terrific lefty uh, reliever. Mm-hmm. But John Franco's the all-time lefty reliever save leader. He's got more saves. Why Why do we not see anything about John Franco anywhere? He's not even on a ballot anymore. I mean, how can, you know, I don't understand how a guy in second place can, can get that, you know, the people think he should be in the Hall of Fame over the guy that's the all-time left-handed relief leader in saves, left-handed save leader. I don't understand that. And I think there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, like that, that are, that go on and, uh, you know, well, there you go. He's got, uh, what? 424 saves. And I think Billy Wagner has 419 or something. Uh, 21 years. I mean, his stats aren't awful. Why isn't he in the hall? Why is aren't they even consider him a, a hall of famer? Yeah, here's his four point six. Yeah, I mean, his numbers on certain aspects. The Hall of Fame monitor puts him at one hundred nine. A likely Hall of Famer was at one hundred, but his other. Uh, Hall of Fame standards there. The average Hall of Famer, 50. He's got 11. Um, Pitching, 40. He was a reliever. Average Hall of Famer, 185. Mm -hmm. Let's scroll down. We'll see Raleigh Fingers and Lee Smith compared to him. But also some other pitchers that stand out in our Watching of baseball over the years, Sparky Lyle, not a Hall of Famer. Um, Kent Tacovi, maybe 
Al mm -hmm. uh, Raboski there. It's an old name. But um, evidently it didn't catch the eye of uh, voters. It's just I, I I just don't get that, you know, if if you're the all-time leader in something, how does somebody that's the, you know, behind you statistically get the nod and you don't? I That I don't get. I, uh... It could be exposure to different writers. As you said, that's how they get in um, to the Hall of Fame. And uh, Billy Wagner may have had more exposure outside of new york maybe um but you would think with with uh, franco playing in new york you know yeah. you would yeah. think uh for for a, a long period of time um i i mean it's not a big number i mean you know it, it's 422 for uh uh, Wagner to 424, uh, but Franco's got more innings pitched. ERA's a little bit higher. I mean, the numbers are comparable. Let's see what his... Uh... On the Hall of Fame standards, let's see. Um, about the same, about the same numbers, a little higher. Yeah. A little higher on gray ink, whatever that is. <laughs> Hall of Fame monitor, a couple digits higher, possibly. But essentially, let's see who the um, most compared with. So he's not really even compared. He's not even compared to a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. So his his mojo with the writers went a little farther than Franco's did. And unfortunately, Boy, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, Franco, you drop off the list if you don't make the 5%. They just drop it. Right. Them. Right, so, so he dropped he, off his first year. He didn't have. Much I don't know. Chance. Just, just, uh, uh, just an observation on my part. I don't want to belabor it, but uh, I, you know, it's something that's bothered me for a while. I, I just, I don't understand it, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, a met, and maybe that's why I'm a little prejudiced or biased towards it, uh, but. Uh, you know, it just it. I don't understand where they get their numbers from and how how this thing works at all. But uh, I guess it's who you know and and uh, you know. And I'm I'm looking at the list here, the complete list of voting, and I you know I you see, I think we discussed this before. Scott Rowland, to me, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know. Um, Todd Helton. Uh, you know, Andrew Jones, um, uh, look, I'm going to say something here. It's going to get people crazy, but Alex Rodriguez is probably more of a hall of a famer than Todd Helton is. Um, Jeff Kent, I think is a hall of famer, but he pissed off a lot of, uh, reporters. They didn't like him. He was surly. So he gets punished for that. Um, Bobby Abreu, terrific player, but was he a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. Probably not. No. Um, and here's one that she, here's two guys that that really didn't even get much of a vote at all. 
Um, Ryan Howard got eight votes. And you would think he would do a little bit better than that, wouldn't you? And uh, Tim Lincecum. Now, how dominating for what for a four or five year period Lincecum was, but uh, had some arm troubles and things. And uh, he got nine votes, two point three percent. So he won't even he won't be on a thing. But back to back Cy Youngs. I mean. He just couldn't. He wasn't consistent enough. If he would have had a longer career, and and uh, you know, uh, with the two Cy Youngs, that should put you right in there. That's for sure. So can't always figure it out with the uh, vote for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And did they get it right this year? Who knows? You know, you start reading some of these stories, like was in the New York Post or. Actually, New York Daily News, that one was from that I was talking about earlier. But uh, you never know. You just uh, they get into a hall, though, you know, like old time players that back in the 30s and the 20s. Uh, we, we heard different things about them as well. And they're in the Hall of Fame now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so he will join. uh uh, Gil Hodges, who uh, I'm very happy about, and uh, Jim Cott and Tony Oliva, and uh, I forget the names of the other uh, people that are going in. Can't remember them. It's all right. No. Names escape me right now, but uh, went in from the Veterans Committee, so... Um, We'll have a uh, induction ceremony in July, so uh, maybe they'll all be in plastic partitions. Who knows? <laughs> we have something to look forward to for midsummer there. And uh, before we bring the curtains down on this show, let's uh, let the people know how they can support the show out there, our listeners. And um, we'll be right back after this message. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show. Here's how you can help us and become a sponsor of the show. Just go to our place where we keep the show on the Internet. That's anchor.fm forward slash baseball talk radio show. It's all one word. Then you'll get to our main page for the Baseball Talk Radio Show. You can either listen on Spotify there, hit the support button. Or send us a message. You can send us an audio message, believe it or not. So check it out there at anchor.fm forward slash on your keyboard, baseball talk radio show. And that will take you to our main page. You can also sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash baseball talk. There you can subscribe to different levels of sponsorship of the show. If you need any help finding these, just ask me or Gary to uh, point it out to you via email, rich at baseballtalkradio.com or Gary at baseballtalkradio.com. Gary, why don't you tell the folks about the other areas that they can check out the show? And check out the Facebook page. We've got Yeah, we've got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash baseballtalkradio. So go check us out and you can keep up to date. And, uh, you know, if you go 
and watch the YouTube version of the show. Please subscribe. Yes. And hit hit that like button because that makes the YouTube analytics uh, people very happy. And it also makes us happy. So uh, whatever you can do to help out, even if it's just subscribing to the show, that, that's uh, a big thing for us. Okay, we're back talking baseball on the podcast, the Baseball Talk Radio Show. And um, please do sponsor our show. We implore you to get out there, go to our anchor.fm website, hit that sponsor button, and you're part of the, the show. We're trying to bring you better um, content and things like that. And it sometimes takes a little money. So, uh, we uh, invite you to do that. And uh, Gary, we've been skipping this the last couple shows, but I figured it might be nice to talk about this as well. Uh, our listeners and who they are, and I'll bring them up on the screen here for the YouTube viewers and talk a little bit about that here. Apple Podcasts are 73% of our listeners out there. Amazon Alexa, 6%. And the Google Podcast, 2%, Overcast, 2 and other, 16. I know on my Phillies Talk podcast, I have an other of like 42%. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always curious as to what other is. And that what other is? <laughs> direct. I'm not sure, but it's huge on my other podcast. 87% uh, of the listeners from the U.S., of course. And we're maintaining that 9% listenership out of the United Kingdom, which I think you're responsible for, Gary. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, but uh, thanks to all our mates over in the United Kingdom um, for listening to the show. And uh, I hope you continue to do so. As I said, there is a, a population growing in England uh, for uh, baseball and uh uh softball and that sort of thing and uh and they're uh they're very rabid fans they're fervent they're passionate we know that from watching the soccer matches so thank you and uh keep watching baseball absolutely uh a look here if you're watching the youtube version and by the way if you do watch the youtube version hit that like and subscribe button like Gary was talking about a few minutes ago, um, that's going to help us get our listeners up and it'll let you know when we have a new show that you can watch on YouTube and uh, look at the age groups that we span, which is pretty nice. I'm, I'm glad to see that a lot of the age groups sort of are gaining in popularity listening to the show uh, throughout from uh 18 years of age to 60 plus. So thanks everybody mm -hmm. for tuning in to the podcast here at the baseball talk radio show. Check us out also at baseballtalkradio.com, adding more and more shows every week. And hopefully we're going to go with the live stream 24 seven this year. It's going to be great to listen mm. to all those podcasts. And we invite you to stop on by there as well. 
Yeah, and uh, check out the Facebook page, as I said earlier, and uh, uh, keep up to date with whenever we pull a, a, another episode out in midweek. You never know. We might even do a live one somewhere down the road. So keep on looking. That's true. And uh, we got a, one more story or so left in us for this podcast. And the Red Sox made history with the second female coach announced today. Um, young lady named uh, Katie Crawl became the second person, a female, to become an MLB coach. So uh, she'll be a development coach at AA Portland and um, thrilled to be back into baseball, she said, after two months on the global strategy team at Google. So uh, Gal has some smarts, apparently, Gary, and uh, she's in baseball now. And the Red Sox made history. This seems like it's becoming a trend. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as your article says, uh, the first with the Yankees, but they hired Rachel Balkvec. Uh She is the low A Tampa, Tampa, uh, uh, what uh, manager this year going into the season? So, uh, and we have a woman that's the general manager of the Marlins in November of 2020. She was named. So, um, women are getting into the game of baseball, and and uh, I guess it's a, a a trend that we'll continue to see throughout sports, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, very cool. Um... Hopefully uh, she can motivate the Red Sox, the young Red Sox players, and uh, add some insight in there. Uh, like it says in the article, she's worked for Google before. So uh, baseball and Google like to uh, mix together sometimes, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't know if they always have the answers for baseball, but um, yeah, it seems like a good mix. Yeah, so far. So uh, we'll see what happens with it all, Rich. But uh, that's another story for another day. Yes, indeed. And we're waiting for a bombogenesis snowstorm of some sort <laughs> coming up the, the East Coast. So we're we're going to get our rations together, make sure we have all of our supplies here at the podcast homes that we uh broadcast from so uh, gary i hope you uh survived the storm well and we can join our listeners on the next show in a few days and hopefully we'll have some great news for them yes sir re bob and uh we will uh see you next time hopefully we're not frozen rich we may be snowed in <laughs> snowmen. but we're not we're not snowmen uh we'll see you next time on another edition of the baseball talk radio show <laughs>